Welcome to the SMA News Today podcast, episode 68. I'm your host, Kevin Schaefer, and joining me today is my co-worker, SMA News Today vlogger and forum moderator, Deanne Rungi. Deanne, how are you today? Hi, Kevin. I'm good. Glad uh, to be here. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I think this will be a really fun episode. Um, this is a roundtable discussion, but uh, Michael is uh, busy with other things today, so I think today we're, instead of focusing on news content, um, if you follow Deanne's videos lately, you know that uh, she's had a lot going on between getting a new service dog and then also testing out uh, Jayco Arm, which I'm excited to talk about. So we're going to be talking about some of those topics and just kind of what's going on in her life. And then at the end of this episode, we'll also hit on some recent columns um, and kind of discuss those from several of our columnists here at SMA News Today. So excited about this one. And again, we'll get more into news probably on the next episode, but wanted to take a break from that for now since we've kind of been exhausting discussions on IVRSD and other treatments. So um, this one will be more of a kind of check-in and, you know, some life updates and that kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, excited for this one. And before we get started, if everyone could listen to a brief word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Genentech, the makers of a new FDA-approved treatment for SMA. To learn about our study results across different types of people with SMA, Visit ApprovedForSMA.com. That's ApprovedForSMA.com. Okay. Well, Deanne, to start off, uh, you know, I know you've written about this on the forums and made it some videos, but can you talk about the process of acquiring your new service dog? And specifically, what precautions did the organization that you went with have to take in light of the coronavirus pandemic? Since I lost my previous service dog, the process is a little bit quicker because since I've had a dog, they know that I rely on a service dog. Um, but still, it took well, about nine months to get another service dog. Um, the process, there's applications that you have to do. There's an initial application. And then once they receive that and think you're a good candidate, there's a more in-depth application you have to do as well as an uh, over the phone interview and then um, once they have a dog in mind for you they'll invite you to team training and this year they've they had to cancel a couple I believe because of the virus going around Um, but they are getting back into it now Uh, the class size was cut down in half there were six teams when I went through, and um, they re- require us to wear masks and social distance and uh, everything like that. So it felt felt very safe being there, um, but of course, everything's a little nerve wracking. For sure, for sure. And on that note too, like you know, I think about well, um, so you know as. Many listeners out there know my service dog uh, passed away this summer, and that was my first and only one. But I think back to when I got her, which was in the summer of 2010. And, you know, I mean, I, we, I know we've talked about this, how it's a very exhausting process in terms of like that two week training camp you do. Um, I went with canine assistance. I believe you do canine companions, correct? Right. I do right. canine companions for independence. And right. I just want to put it out there that every program that um, for service dogs is different. Um, so I'm just sharing my experiences with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, and I remember, like, thinking back to when I did the training back then, you know, it was a two-week camp, and um, I think Canada Companions is a similar setup there, and I just remember, you know, it was very exhausting, I mean, you know, ultimately rewarding, but it was a really tiring two weeks, and I know, you know, you talked about for this one, because of, you know, um, pandemic restrictions and that kind of thing, they shortened it from two weeks to one, you know, and I know you're kind of, you've had um, a couple of service dogs before, and so you're okay, more or less a veteran at this, but were there any challenges um, that came with the training camp only being one week instead of two? In some ways, it was beneficial because I think two weeks is a really long stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do see drawbacks. Um, in the program that I go through, the first times that I went through, they rotated some dogs between us. So we got to work with a couple different dogs. And I really enjoyed that aspect. Um, and then there were a lot more field trips. Obviously, we couldn't do that with the coronavirus. Um, we did go to Target one time, and then we had uh, our final certification test out and about. But other than that, a lot of the field trips were cut out as well. Uh, and I guess because of that one-week time frame, it's a little more difficult to establish the bond with our dogs and do some of that extra training. Um, but other... Otherwise, I kind of enjoyed that it was one week because it is long time to be out and working and I wanted to get home, so. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, I like I said, I remember just how exhausting it was. And um, it was like, I think about, too, you know, what you said about um, like when I got mine there, what, they, they did kind of have several dogs they tried out, like you tried out with and worked out with before you kind of picked the right one. Um and I think it sounded like this go around, like, um, they kind of, like, did their best to really match you with one pretty early on. So, like, were you already more or less matched with Horton, um, which I know is the name of your new service dog, um, at, yep. toward the beginning? Okay. Yep. They, um, they had a dog in mind for each of us. Okay. And uh, they do a really good job matching their dogs. So, I'm confident I... I did get a challenging one this time around, I think, more than my previous two. But I do think that maybe because I have a little more experience working with the dogs and I do like a challenge. So I think they know that. So that's uh, why they chose Horton for me. That's really cool. Well, and on that note, too, like what has been the process like of, um, you know, Horton adapting to life with you and vice versa? Yeah, since that camp and everything. Well, every dog has a completely different personality, and that's kind of what I love about dogs, too. And so it's been fun getting to know him. He's a very mellow fellow, uh, but he's one that when you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. So he's going to keep me on my toes for sure. But he's settling in, and uh, he's a cuddle bug, too, so he'll keep me warm this winter. Nice, nice. And and he's doing a pretty good job so far. That's great. And is it, what's it been like to, uh, you know, I mean, again, going back to with with COVID and, you know, the world we live in now is like, you know, when I remember, like, when I first got Pandy back in the day, like, uh, you know, I tried to take her out a a fair amount when I got her and that kind of thing. 
obviously that's more difficult to now, you know, is uh, just like when you're talking about Horton's personality, is he more like, do you think he wants to get out or is he kind of like, okay, you know, staying at home a lot because, you know, that's kind of what we have to do right now? He does love going for walks, so I'm trying to figure out how to be able to get out and still not um, not freeze. Yeah, right. <laughs> I guess um, because I do want to take him for walks for as long as I can outside, and when I I have to take him out to go to the bathroom, and I'm still figuring out kind of all that process, how it's going to be the easiest for me that I can be the most involved with as well. Yeah. Um, over the winter when it snows, you know, that'll change a little bit. But right now I want to do as much as I can myself with him. Sure. So we're, we're still figuring all of that out. But so far we're doing pretty good. Good, good. And has he also, like, has he adjusted to your PCAs okay? Because I know, you know, you live alone and you have PCAs come through um, at different times in the day. Has he been okay with them and the house and everything? Oh, yeah. he. Um, I've told all of my PCAs to pretty much ignore him for mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Um, we want all the attention and praise and everything coming from me. So I, I might have my PCA scoop up the dog food, but then I'll dump it in the dish and tell him it's okay to go eat. Um, and they'll help me unhook and hook his leash on. But otherwise, they're pretty hands-off with him at the moment. Um, My dogs, all of my dogs have loved my mom because she kind of spoils them a little bit. So uh, that's no different with Horton, but still there too. You know, she tries to limit her interaction with him as well. That's really cool. That's a great point. You know, it's like, especially when they're young, you make a really good point about having the attention and the praise, which is a vital part. I remember they, like, they, how they, can in assistance ingrained that into me and the others during the training is, like, you want to celebrate everything they do and really encourage them. But that's a great point that that, you know, attention and praise has to come from you because it really uh, strengthens that relationship and lets them know your role and everything. So that's a great point. And my, nie- my nieces are about 15 years old and they met him and one of my nieces started calling him dog and I'm like, well, he does have a name. <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to use it because I don't want to get in trouble. And <laughs> That's said, funny. Well, it's okay. You can use his name. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I know it... Some people don't give out their service dogs names just because that of that extra attention factor. So, yeah. Oh, it's something I've written about. I think about how many times, like, I mean, just like, in public, people would want to come up and pet Pandy and, you know, just give her all his attention. And, like, I know they mean well, but it's, like, they don't realize that there are repercussions to that. And it's a very, like, uh, it's a relationship you have to really manage and um, set boundaries for, for sure. So that's Yeah, what, it can yeah. be really distracting. Yeah. But I, I guess that's one benefit of this whole coronavirus, um, <laughs> that I'm actually staying home more and... I do take him to, like, my occupational therapy appointments and things like that, but that's, you know, a little more structured, and they know the rules, too, so uh, we're going to get a little get a little more bond together before we have to go out and about. That's great, yeah. No, there is a silver lining to all this, for sure. Um, 
And Deanne, before we switch topics, I just want to, like, you know, this is your third service dog, if I'm not mistaken? Yes. Okay. So, in, you know, having, like I said, you know, been kind of a veteran at this, is there any advice you have for other SMAers or really anyone who's looking for a service dog based on your experiences? Um, just anything you want to say about the process or, you know, how you treat the dog and how you build that relationship? Well, I do want to say that if you're considering a service dog, make sure you're very serious about it because it is very challenging. Um, there is a lot of work involved, but I do like having a service dog. I think I like having a dog in my life in general, and I don't think I could have just a dog that's not a service dog, if that makes sense. Sure. Um but just be prepared for the work that it takes and you'll have to put in a lot of time and effort. That's great. No, it, it really, and I remember, you know, like I said, back when I got Pandy, that's exactly what they said at the camp was like, you know, real. and I had my own doubts back then. I mean, I was only a teenager and it was more my parents' idea um, at first. And so, you know, and I mean, eventually I adapted, okay. And, you know, I'm really glad that I had that relationship and everything, but it's exactly what you said is it's very... Um, it's a ton of responsibility. I mean, I remember, like, when I got mine, they compared it to getting married and having a kid at the same time, which is not, I mean, I know it may sound like a bizarre analogy, but it's not too far off. It is a really, like, big commitment, and, um, like you said, it definitely changes your life, and it can be, um, really impactful and powerful, but at the same time, it is something you've got to be prepared for, so, um, so that's And I great. always refer, when I talk about Myself, I always say we because I'm always, I always have my service dog with me. Yeah. So it is kind of, you know, it's us now, not yeah. just me. So, right, right. Yeah, there is that extra responsibility. Absolutely. Well, Deanne, thank you for sharing. That was great. And before we switch topics, uh, if everyone could listen to one more word from our sponsor. This podcast is made possible by a sponsorship from Genentech. Are you living with SMA? Or are you a caregiver for someone who is? A new treatment has just been FDA approved based on studies of different types of people living with SMA. Genentech extends a special thanks to all of the individuals, families, and healthcare providers who participated in the studies that led to making this new treatment option a reality. To learn more about this new treatment, visit approvedforsma.com. Okay, and switching gears a little bit. So, uh, Deanne, you also made a recent video about this, which I really liked. Um, so you're in the process of acquiring several new assistive technologies. One is a Jayco robotic arm, which you're looking into. And you made a video about this in which you did a demo, went and tested it out. And um, the video was great. And I think, you know, you expressed a lot of excitement there and talked a lot about it. Um, some of these questions I'm going to ask you here, but... You know, thinking back to that demo, what surprised you most about trying out that arm and, you know, getting a feel for this new technology? Well, when I tried out the arm, I had my doubts because it seems like it's big and bulky and slow. And I really didn't know if it would be that useful for me. Um, I like to do a lot of things on my own, and I just wasn't sure if this would actually help me do that or if it would be kind of more obtrusive and something that I I wouldn't want with me all the time definitely 
Yeah, I mean, speaking as someone who has had a Jayco arm for four years, I mean, I fell in love with it right away, but, you know, when I did the demo, but that was also my concern, I think, a little bit going in was, A, would it work, but also, like, I, I was thinking for me about, um, would it increase the width for me, you know, like, would it make it harder for me to get through doors and that kind of thing? So, yeah. that, like, because, I mean, when you first look at that thing, I'm like, it, it looks like an Iron Man, like, huge sci-fi piece that's a huge add-on to an already big power wheelchair and right. yeah that yeah that definitely for sure um but i you know i know you know in seeing that video obviously it definitely contra contradicted a lot of um thoughts you had going in and it turned out to be um really useful and i know you're excited about it um so i i know this is kind of a hypothetical question because like i know you saw there's the insurance process and everything um as far as actually acquiring one of these devices but let's say if you are able to acquire a Jayco, what tasks are you looking forward to doing independently? Um, so based on what you're able to do with the demo and thinking about it, like what task are you most excited about? Really just being able to open my fridge and grab something to drink when I actually want to mm -hmm. is kind of mind-blowing um, because I have very limited PCA services throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So... I have to do PMAP, I guess it wouldn't be the term. <laughs> yeah. And I have to be very careful about what I drink and when I drink it so I don't have to go to the bathroom when nobody's around. So that might mean I have someone um, pour me a cold glass of water and it'll sit there for four hours before I can drink it. Um, and with this, I can maybe grab something from the fridge when I want to and it'll still be cold. Uh, so something like that, or, uh, sometimes I get cold and I want to grab a blanket, but it's just too heavy for me to, you know, wrap around my shoulders. And I think this would actually help me do that. I just, when I used it for the first time, it was just like, oh my gosh, there's so much I could do with this. Yeah. And just the way that it, it works and the motions that it has, I don't know how, you'd probably explain this better than I can, um, but it was, it has very fluid motion, uh, so I think that it'll really be something that could be beneficial. It does, it's like, you know, uh, um, one of the things that, like, struck me the most the first time I used it and when I, you know, got my permanent one, uh, is that, yeah, when you're speaking about the motion, it's like, it, um, there's a function for each joint on the arm, so, like, you can switch modes on it, and if you want to adjust the wrist, you can do that, you can adjust the fingers, you can move the entire arm, you can move it up and down, sideways, all these things, so, like, that's, I think, a misconception people might have when they, either when they first see it or something, is that, like, it looks like it's, like, only gonna be, a certain amount of functions, you know, whereas it's can really do so much because it is so flexible and it does have a fluidity to it. Um, so and when you can, yeah. when you can combine those functions, yes, there's, I think how many, four different, um, settings there. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Four different settings is like one is, uh, getting it back into a contrary position. Does two or three, well, actually, maybe up to four movements. Yeah, yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, so it is pretty pretty cool. Yeah. It's, uh, no, I, again, I really hope you're able to acquire one. I know it's been life-changing for me. I mean, I think for me, the biggest thing was being able to eat and drink independently. 
um, because, you know, like, I, I started, I mean, this is something I've written about numerous times, but, like, uh, I started losing my arm strength a lot when I was in high school, and then it continued to deteriorate from there, and similar to what you said in your video, like, I had also tried one of those devices where, um, it's basically like a, uh, it, it does more of a, it's more of an assistant type thing, but, like, um, forget what the thing is called, but, like, uh, where... The one I tried out was called the dynamic arm yes, support. Yes, yes, that's the one. And it actually yeah. attached to your arm. Right, exactly. But my function level was too low that I couldn't, it wasn't beneficial yes. for me. It was the same thing for me. Like, it, it's a great device, but, um, it, like, I'd say it's more for people who already have some upper body strength and can, um, and they just need that extra support and push to be able to and move their arms. It yeah. actually limited my movement. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it didn't work for me, but yeah, I'm sure it works for some. Right, right. It, well, it was the same for me. Like, I couldn't drive with it, and it wasn't really helpful for eating. It was like a... Well, I remember when I tried that out, it, I'm, I was thinking, like, this would be a good exercise tool, but, like, um, but for <laughs> practical use for, like, eating and stuff, it just didn't work, and so I was glad to try that out, but, yeah, no, the Jacob arm just opened so many doors for me, and, you know, I, I've been able to live much more independently ever since I've acquired it. Um, and on that and note, too... I'm, oh, go ahead. I'm one that if... I like to do things myself. Right. This is what I was going to ask. If there's, yeah. like, one aspect that I can't do, I just don't do it. Mm -hmm. If there's something that's out of reach for the project I'm working on, well, that's the end of my project. Well, with this, it can actually help me do that one little thing that I can't do, so then I can finish and complete the project on my own. Right. And I remember you saying that in your video that, like, um, you know, you were hesitant about something like this because you do like to do things, you know, very independently. And, and I, that's something I can totally relate to as well. I think it's a mindset that a lot of us as mayors have ingrained into us that, um, you know, we want to try to like do as much as we can on our own. And like, we're like, oh, is this like cheating? But, um, but I think as you put it in your video, like it's really not, this is more of like a tool that helps you um do things on your own you know like it's um all like all the things i can do with my jaco arm it's great because i don't have to ask other people to help me so much you know i would consider it ability enhancing <laughs> yes exactly that's a great way of putting it but yeah no it's great to hear and I, I really enjoyed your video and i i'm certainly hopeful that you're able to acquire one i know um the insurance process is always a thing and um, you know, like I, when I got mine, insurance wasn't even covering it because it was such a novelty item. Um, and we just did a GoFundMe then. But, um, but I know since then, I know several people in the community who have been able to acquire one through insurance. And so I'm hopeful that, yeah, I'm certainly hopeful that you're able to do the same. And, um, even if it's going to be a like, you know, stressful process, it's, um, well worth it. So, I don't know. I'm it's oh. nice to hear that insurance is covering it more often. Yeah. But it's still kind of, um, I guess, 50-50 whether or not they'll approve it. Um, so I'm hopeful, and if hopefully if I can push it through, more, more people can. Yeah. There are, like you said, you did fundraising, so there are other options. I'm just not sure um, that what would be viable for me to do. So. Right. I'm hopeful insurance will cover it. Absolutely. And uh, like you said, it's kind of like a flip of the coin thing right now. But I think as more people acquire them and people 
you know, see the not just the benefit, but the absolute necessity of it um, for, you know, as so many, not just people in the SMA community, but um, countless other disabled individuals who really could, this is a life-changing device for them. You know, I'm hoping that will change and it'll be more of a normal, you know, uh, for insurance to approve these. So, you know, it's... And I know, for me, like, I have a service dog now, mm -hmm. so people might see that and say, well, you don't need a Jayco arm. Right. Well, really, they can be used in conjunction with each other, and anything that can enhance your life, you know, is something that uh, is beneficial and you can, you know, work and strive towards. That's a great way of putting it. It's absolutely, I mean, there are things that your service dog is able to do for you that a Jayco arm won't be able to and vice versa. And it's just like, right. there's no, they, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. They can absolutely work together. So yeah, yes, definitely. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. And again, listeners out there, if you haven't watched that video yet, highly encourage you to check it out. And Deanne, you're also in the process of getting a new wheelchair, which you've posted about on the forums and talked about in videos. So how close are you getting to that um, now? I should be receiving it within the next couple of weeks, I believe, if everything all goes well, um, which is mind-blowing to me because the wheelchair pro process usually takes forever. Yeah. So I'm, I am excited about that. I know when parts started falling off of my wheelchair in the yard, I thought, uh-oh, I better, <laughs> I better start the process. <laughs> I know that goes for sure. Like I, when I got my current one a couple of years ago, like it, it was like we had to get my neurologist involved. It used to be a really simple process in terms of like every five years, you know, I'd be up for a new one uh, or I'll, I'll eligible for a new one. But for whatever reason, they've just gotten more complicated and insurance companies have been more frustrating about this. And so, um, but yes, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that that's almost on the way. And I know um, this is something I talked about with Michael and like, it's, it can be a you know challenging process at first when you're adjusting to a new chair. No matter how uh, much better it is than your previous one, it's always that you know getting used to it and because it's basically like adapting to a new body initially. I mean that's you know what um, for wheelchair users, it's such an extension of ourselves that it is an adjustment at first, but ultimately very rewarding. So um, yeah, I hope that comes very soon. And yeah, and um, I'm sorry, uh, you have videos about that and plenty to share once it arrives so that's great i think the biggest adjustment for me this time is that i'm going from rear wheel drive to front wheel drive okay um the front wheel drive had more features available that i wanted uh, so i had to kind of switch the drives and i know that can be kind of tricky as well as getting comfortable in a new chair and getting all the details right. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. No, it's always that, and it's like that initial. I'd say like couple first weeks or so is when it's is the adjustment period, and yeah, especially with the new drive setting and all that. That'll be, but um, yeah. but that's really cool though. I'm I'm very we'll happy. See how with... scratched up my walls. Get. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, between you and Horton, just yeah, just don't tear up the house. Yeah, but yeah. right, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Well, um, Deanne, thank you again so much for sharing. And uh, for the last part of the show today, uh, we just want to go over some of our recent columns and um, just kind of share some excerpts from those and discuss. Uh, the first one is by Alyssa Silva and is called Small Joys Are Bigger Than They Appear. Um, and I'll just read a brief excerpt from this. Uh, she's, Alyssa says, 
When considering the idea of silver linings, I've actually always approached life in, the, in this manner. I'm a girl in constant pursuit of the magic and the mundane, the joy and the pain, and the sunshine and the rain. It's how I have learned to cope with the many unforeseen challenges my disease has brought in me. It's how I have learned to keep pressing forward when it seems as though my world couldn't be any bleaker. Um, so, I, I thought this was a really poignant and timely column. I mean, obviously, she does talk about in it about the stresses that this year has brought between the pandemic and just social unrest and all these things. Um, and she references a friend who had asked her, you know, a question about, like, you know, what keeps you going? And it brings up this idea of silver lining. So, I thought this was a really cool piece. I Deanne, did you have any takeaways from this one or anything you wanted to point out? I'm one, too, that likes to look at the bright side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, the situation can suck, but there's usually something that comes out of it that is positive. Um, even, like, we're talking with getting the new wheelchair. I know it'll be difficult. I know it'll be hard. But in the end, I'll have a nice new wheelchair that will benefit me in the long run. Absolutely. And it's like... And, you know, I, I kind of wrote about this topic a little bit a few months ago where I was talking about once we started, you know, and once the pandemic uh, was um, came about and, you know, all of us were isolating ourselves and everything. And I, I talked about how, for me, it was like a different form of isolation because in the past, anytime I had to stay at home or was hospitalized, it was always when I was sick or injured. Whereas, like, this year, as stressful as it's been, it's been the first time where, like, okay, I'm healthy. I'm just having to you know, socially distance and, um, stay at home more. And so it was a weird silver lining, but it kind of like, that's what it kind of reminded me when I was reading Alyssa's piece here. Um, and yeah, I think it's exactly right. Is like, you know, there's always thing as hard as life can be. There's always like, um, things to look forward to and, you know, goals in the end that, you know, we want to reach and obstacles to overcome. So yeah, I thought this, yeah. Oh, go ahead. There are struggles and, um, I guess negative things, but with like with the pandemic going on, hygiene is better than ever now. And, <laughs> right? You know, uh, telemedicine has come about, so there are you know positive aspects. Yeah. Well, and it's like I got my flu shot a couple weeks ago, and when I went in there, like the lady said that uh, who was giving it, she said like more people had been coming in than like ever before to get theirs like people in their 40s who had never gotten theirs before were getting it now so like it's you know i mean not that i'm grateful for this crisis we've been going through this year but um but it is like you kind of have to count those silver linings in order to keep your sanity and you know look on okay what are the long-term positive effects that this could potentially have and not only focus on all the negatives even though there are plenty so, and when you yeah. look at the positives, then you can get through it, you know. Absolutely. Then you can move on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I thought this was a really nice piece by Lissa. Again, that is from her column, Life One Cup at a Time, which comes out bi-weekly on Fridays. Um, the next we have one. great calmness. She really is. I always enjoy her pieces, and it's a, I always like reading them going into the weekends. I'm like, oh, this is a nice, like, she has a mix of just, like, humorous pieces, really uplifting ones, um, you know, really, like, just, like, honest and raw, and they just, like, really um, allow me to reflect on various subjects, so they're really cool. Um, so, yeah, that was Eliza, one of her recent ones. 
And the next one, I love the title of this one. Um, this is by Brianna Albers, and it's called Dog On It, I Deserve It! Um, exclamation point. And in this one, she makes some really interesting points about um, how like, she's ultimately talking about um, the need for her to rest and recuperate and how she's been, you know, working really hard lately on her novel. And also that was coming right after having gotten her um, master's degree and all these things in like um, the need for rest. And she makes a really interesting comparison and it may, you know, startle some, but um, I thought it was a really good, honest piece where she's actually comparing, thinking back to like um, when she had hospitalizations and how, you know, very, in a weird sense, like those were kind of a mini vacation for her. Um, and I'll go ahead and read this excerpt from this piece. Um, Brianna says, Sometimes the stars align. Sometimes the system works in our favor. And a week in the hospital becomes a mini retreat. While it's not sunbathing on a beach with a book in hand, it is being forced, usually by a horde of nurses who regularly cycle through the room, to take it easy. The only job is to heal, to rest, recuperate, and restore. Um, so, again, I thought this was a really fascinating piece, and, um, and she made it a, a, a point to say that, like, you know, I'm not trying to dismiss the experiences of those who have had horrible, traumatic experiences in the hospitals, and she's had, you know, her first share of medical trauma as well, which she's written about, but she was kind of just, like, circling back to this idea of, like, you know, I'm in the hospital, it is my only job to rest and recuperate, and sometimes I have a, she's like, I have a hard time doing that in the real world, and, um, especially now that's been a struggle for her. So I thought it was a really interesting comparison. Um, I, Dan, what did you think of this piece? Although I do get where she's coming from, I don't find the hospital at all relaxing. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I always, I just, when I'm there, I just want to be home. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do understand how, where she's coming from, that it's a place where, you know, there aren't other, um, stressors of the world and uh, deadlines and things like that you just take your time and relax and uh try to feel better um but yeah i'm not i wouldn't a hospital stay wouldn't come to my mind (laughs) (laughs) sure sure like i said it was a very unique comparison and i get where she's coming from but um but yeah i mean i like i don't know i think about it like um, my last hospitalization, not relaxing at all. That was when I had pneumonia. But then, um, but then I think about like the one before that, um, was when I had a broken leg and I was, um, uh, and they did when I, um, went to the hospital then and they, you know, um, discovered the broken femur and all that, like they decided to just keep me there for a couple weeks and let it heal on its own, which I'd never done before because, um, they didn't want to cast it and cause skin breakdowns and all that. And it was too risky to do surgery, so they let it heal on its own. And I that was probably the instance that came to mind the most when reading this column for me, because that probably was a little more of a, like, okay, I really am forced to just, like, stay here, rest. I'm not sick. I'm not contagious or things, so I could still see plenty of people. I had a lot of visitors then, um, friends come and see me and all that. And so, and, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't allowed to focus on work or anything, so... In that instance, it was a little more, but at the same time, yeah, I don't think any of us are begging to go there, and and I don't think that's what I gathered from this piece either. Like she no, was like, not at all. right? It's not like she's like, oh my gosh, I wish I was in a hospital. It was just like you know, thinking right. about you know it, that in those instances, it is kind of a like you are forced to just recuperate and heal. 
Um, yeah. and so it was kind of a wake up for her. And yeah, I really, but I, I think the core of this column, I just really liked that it, it was a really important reminder to take care of ourselves. And, you know, it, it like, I think a lot of us in the SMA community and like, I, you know, so many dis- disabled individuals, I think of like push ourselves to work harder than other people because we want to yes. like prove ourselves and we want to like, we have all this ambition, which is great, but it's also can be damaging to an extent when we take it too far. And I think that was really the core message of this piece is like, take care of yourself. Like, don't push yourself so hard that you're just exhausted for no reason. And because um, then at that point, your work and your quality of life suffers. And um, and so, yeah, I really liked that aspect of this piece. And, um, and you know, a lot of I, Brianna always does a great job with imagery and um and metaphors and all these things so it was this is a really fascinating piece for sure but and yeah if you can take time and kind of like when you are in the hospital force yourself to take a break that can actually benefit you in the long run absolutely yeah Yeah. so yeah definitely but um yeah i mean i definitely get i definitely prefer weekly aquatic therapy sessions as a relaxer for me than um hospital stays but Again, I get where she was coming from, and I really liked the comparison. Um, so, and that's the yeah. thing. Everybody has something different. Because yes. for me, I don't think aqua therapy is calming for me. Okay, but yeah. But it is for you. And so I think that's great. If you can find what you enjoy and what calms you and what kind of takes your mind off things, that's kind of what you have to do. Absolutely. I totally agree. That's It's all a matter of, like, do what works for you and... You know, take care of yourself. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, so, and then that is from Brianna's weekly column on Mondays, The Wolf Finally Frees Itself. Highly encourage you to check that out. And the last piece today is from yours truly. Um, this is, uh, this was a column I posted about a week ago called Treasuring the Little Things. And in it, I was, um, I, so two things kind of sparked this column. One was my maternal grandmother had sent me um, a text where she had found like um, old pictures of drawings I did when I was a kid, and she still had those, you know, in the closet or whatever. And so she texted me some of those, and they were a little cringeworthy, but it was kind of funny to see. And then also, um, I kind of focused this column around. Uh, we had my niece, oh, me and my niece and nephew, over about a week ago, and um, during that visit, like my me, my niece, and my dad were um, in the playroom there, which you know, we had, um, kind of created in our house, um, when my niece was born, and you know, they were coloring, and, um, and it got me thinking about, like, and also that, you know, the, to the text that my grandmother had just sent me, um, got me thinking about how, when I used to draw, and I was something I really enjoyed doing as a kid, and that's something I've kind of lost the ability to do over the years, but still wanted to participate in that activity as much as possible, so, um, anyway, let me read this, um, brief excerpt from the column, This is about a little toward the beginning, but I said, uh, due to the progression of my SMA, I lost the ability to regularly handwrite years ago. I now do all of my work on my laptop and phone. While I love the capabilities of modern technology, I do miss the sensation that comes with putting a pencil on paper. And while I was never an aspiring illustrator, I loved to draw as a kid. I fill pages with sketches and storyboards, and I frequently doodled at school whenever I got bored in class. Um, so this was kind of a, like, um, and then I talked about how, um, I did decide to try to, like, draw just a little something while I was in the room there with my niece and my dad, 
And, like, I couldn't do much, you know, it's, again, my arm, my hand strength is very limited these days, but I was able to sketch just a little bit there, um, and it did give me a really cool sensation, because it was, like, you know, as much, like I said in the column, as much as I love modern technology and all the resources we have today, I do miss being able to do some things by hand, um, I think there's just, like, an inescapable feeling that comes with that, and it's something I miss for sure, and, um, so, yeah, so I was just talking about how, you know, it's important, you know, even though I can't do much with it these days, I like to just doodle little things when I can and to just treasure those little things and to, you know, even when it's hard for me to read physical books, I try to, like, um, push myself to do that as much as possible um, instead of reading entirely digital. So, yeah, it was kind of like, it was a good cathartic piece for me. Um, Deanne, did you have any takeaways from this or, or any questions for me? Well, I know, like, I always kind of hold out hope that I can do it again because I have a whole set of markers here and I can't take the caps off them. So when my nieces come over, I'm like, here you go. You can play with these markers, <laughs> you know, and at least I can enjoy them enjoying it kind of. Um, but yeah, I do like to try and, you know, do my own little drawings or projects. And I look back at projects that I've done years ago and I have no idea how I accomplished that because there's no way I could do that now um but I still do like to dabble in that as well and uh do what I can and I've um my nieces love the game have you ever heard of telestrations I have not what is that uh Oh, uh, they, you draw, you get a word and you draw a picture on a, like, a little whiteboard. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, I got it. Yeah, so I, the markers yeah. are really, you know, smooth writing and, uh, oh my gosh, you don't have to be a good drawer, you can just draw whatever and you get tons of laughs, so I do recommend that game and, like, my nieces will, you know, after your round, you have to wipe the board off, and they'll wipe the board off for me and take the cap off the marker, and so that's kind of a fun interactive one for when, I don't know how old yours are, but when they get a little bit older, they'll really enjoy that one. That would be fun. I think, yeah, my nieces, uh, she'll be four in December, and then uh, my nephew's a newborn, so it was a born, actually, the beginning of all, <laughs> really, during the beginning of the pandemic, he was born in April. Um, but that would be a fun one to try. Like, yeah, that's the thing. I don't think I'd heard that specific name, but I've heard of, like, the idea of that game before. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's kind of on a whiteboard, so the markers glides really easy. Right. Right. Um, so I do recommend that one if you, for when they're a little bit older. That's a great idea. I definitely will keep that in mind. And, um, well, and I also mentioned, like, you know, with, uh, my Spinraza examinations, I do, like, um, PT and OT evaluations about every six months, and one of the tests they have me do is to, like, draw a line through a maze on a piece of paper. Yeah. Yep, and it's, yeah. like, when I first did it, I could barely, like, get, like, halfway through, and now, like, I, I, the first time I was able to complete it, I was kind of amazed. I was like, wow, I, I didn't think I would be able to do this, and so, um, that's a really good exercise for me to do every now and then, and, um, it reminds me that, like, okay, I can't do nearly as much as I could when I was 12, but, um, but it's nice I can still, you know, move a pencil a little bit and get, you know, some doodling there, you know, just for, just for the expression of it, not, you know, to be, for any, like, artistic quality I have in terms of illustrating, but, um, but well, it's... And the longer, really 
the longer you keep up with what you can, the longer you can actually do things. Yeah, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, it does. No, absolutely. It's, and it's something I, like, um, yeah, like, I mean, I would still handwrite and journal for as long as I could, you know, I mean, like, once it got to a point where it was just too difficult, I transitioned to more typing, you know, digitally, but, um, but yeah, no, absolutely, it does make a difference when you keep that up as much as possible, and, you know, you may not be able to do everything you did when you were younger, but you can still maintain those abilities as much as possible by keep, you know, continuing to do them, you know do those activities and as long as it's something that you're enjoying doing you can find a way you know to do it exactly exactly it's that's how i view it for like reading physical books and comics and all that is like you know again it does get really frustrating i've written about that before is like i wish it was easier but i'm that's one thing that reason i think i'm still able to do it at least partially is that i continually practice at it you know and i still try to push the pages as much as i can you know before i ask for help so, yeah. And usually there's tools, you know, that can help you along the way, too, either if it's, like, something that helps hold the book. Or yes. Something that helps turn the pages or uh, different markers that work easier than others. So just, you know, play yeah. around with that. Absolutely. Uh, for me, I use, like, I put, like, a business card box under my hand to prop it up a little bit. And that makes it easier to flip the pages. And so, because when I'm in, like, yep. it affects, I mean, it's like, it's all a matter of positioning and proximity there. And yeah, that, yeah. that makes a huge impact. So that's cool. Well, um, awesome. Well, that's it for today. And again, that was from my column, uh, Embracing My Inner Alien, which is on Tuesdays. Hope you check it out. And yeah, this was a great episode, Dan. I really thank you for coming on today. Um, I think, and I appreciate you um sharing you know some aspects of what's going on in your life lately and talking about columns here so this was great thank you for coming on yeah thanks for having me and i love your columns too so i appreciate it and i love your videos so um definitely to our listeners out there check both of those out we've got plenty of content um and on that note you know you can listen to more stories and conversations like this by subscribing to this podcast we are on spotify um apple podcasts uh, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can also follow us on our main website at smanewstoday.com. Um, check out our YouTube channel and our forums, which Deanne and I are both on. Um, anytime you want to connect with us, please, you know, um, create an account there if you haven't already. We would love to hear from you. And again, thank you everyone for listening, and we will see you next time. Take care, everyone. The information in our flash briefings and podcasts are provided for informational and educational purposes only. Be sure to tune in daily to SMA News Today for the latest news and perspectives regarding the disease. Discover more content that might be of interest to you at www.smanewstoday.com and be sure to follow us on social media and join our SMA News Today forums, a trusted SMA community ready to welcome you anytime.